welcome to the Human and Technology Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who develops, distributes or uses technology. For all those who always have the feeling that technology overwhelms or dominates them. For everyone who wants to know how to deal with technology in everyday life. For anyone who wants to understand what technology does to us and how we can get our lives back. This podcast is for those who want to make technology sexy. All the product developers, designers, UX, UI professionals, product managers, CTOs and CEOs. And it is for you. My name is Dr. Peter Reska. My friends call me Dr. Peter. I am your host and I am happy that you are here. This is the second part of my podcast with the analysis of the CES 2021. If you have not heard the first episode about this one, go back, listen to it, and then come back and listen to this second part. The second part is experience and focus user experiences in cars. Technology has no consciousness. It becomes good or bad technology through our actions and our decisions. So this is one of the main statements I'm doing in my consultancy work, but uh, also as, as a keynote speaker, that, that is the main message. I mean, technology itself is basically neutral. Technology itself is not good or bad in itself. Our behavior, the way we use technology, the way we apply it, the way we yeah, the way we use it, that is uh, making a technology good or making a technology bad. So it is about us if a technology is good or bad, because technology in itself has no consciousness. Technology has exceeded the limits of what we can control. So I think there is not a single person on this planet that fully understands every aspect in complete depth um, of uh, how a computer works or how a smartphone works or how a car works. Every single person, every expert understands just a slice of it, just a part of it. But uh, we have these uh, um, complex artifacts that we have everywhere, and um, we cannot we cannot understand them fully. A single person is not able to understand them uh, under any aspect, and and uh, so we may lose the limits of what we can control in, in technology. Opposed to that, a, a positive uh, aspect, a positive experience that we have in technology is technology connects people. And uh, we see this particularly in, in the pandemic times as we have them to these times, these days. Uh, we can keep our client uh, activities uh, active. Uh, we can, we can, I can still talk to my clients using uh, online tools and, and uh, calls and, and video calls. And 
I can give keynotes uh, to people, to 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 large number of people uh, using technology, and uh, so it has this very positive aspect. And I can talk to my friends and my family all over the world using technology, not only in pandemic times, but but even more in times where we are not allowed to travel, where we're supposed to be locked in at home. And um, so technology helps us to, to connect people. The user experience, the UX, needs to be core of any technology development. So technology is not a value in itself. It is not something that just needs to exist. But what we need to do is to improve the experience of people, that we need to make people's lives better, faster, safer, easier, or maybe just funnier. But we need to do something with people. We need to give them positive experiences with the technology. Otherwise, it's definitely not of a real value. For cars, this means in the future, these cars will support digital lifestyles. Uh, it uh, will be a seamless experience um, in our digital lives, in our uh, networking activities, in our communication. So we, we will be independent of the location where we are and um, the, the cars will allow us to continue the digital lifestyle as we are used to it outside the car. It's about... Yeah, ease, it's about entertainment, it's about education, it's about, and that company that, that gave that, that keynote used the expression, and I totally love it, and they said it's about experiences per mile. So we need to give users experiences and instead of fuel consumption per mile or uh, the speed that we have, um, we need to have experiences per mile that shall be the focus of thinking in, in any kind of technologies i already talked about the idea of the third places of uh, the the places that are neither our home not our working space but places we spend time in where we are where we are ourselves where we be where we are human beings and cars are becoming more and more these um, third places. And uh, we get higher levels of automation. If we get supported in driving, we can do more things um, that we want to do in these third places, like communication, education, entertainment. And um, so cars are becoming these uh, third places, places to stay, uh, to be uh, besides home and, and an office. And uh, part of this is um, the concept of uh, sound bubbles. And um, I heard this for the first time two or three years ago in a presentation and in a cooperation I had with a uh, big first-tier supplier, and they talked about these sound bubbles. And, I mean, uh, we all know this experience that we are on a bus or in a train or in a plane, and... The person besides us uh, makes makes a phone call, and uh, we can hear um, 50% of the call, the person besides us talking, and uh, 
that can be pretty nerve-wracking and, and, and um, i mean i personally hate this and i know that nobody really likes this and so if you have these um let's say a shared uh, more or less um, autonomous driving vehicles um and then you squeeze in there with two or three others and everybody's making a phone call that can be pretty annoying or someone listening to music or playing a game and so the idea of personal sound bubbles of of areas where i have my personal sound environment that is super attractive that is super sexy and um these sound bubbles they have an enormous development potential for application in, in vehicles three core functions um, are identified uh, what what a car shall fulfill in uh, the future the first one is gaming the time that we sit in cars and do not drive where we sit and wait they are constantly growing we have increasing times uh, where we just wait in a car and um, we have um, the infrastructure we have the, um, the possibilities inside uh, the car to reach a very high level of immersion so we have displays we may have pillar to pillar displays large displays we have audio we may have even have these audio bubbles these personalized ones i just talked about and uh, we have the the means of the possibilities for for interaction we can we can interact with the technology and um so this this uh, car environment uh, is a very good one to get high immersion into gaming we have connectivity we can play games with other people so that will be a, a future use case of, of, of cars. Pretty much into the same direction goes uh, the car as a creative space, a space for creativity. So whether it is music, uh, whether it is uh, me recording podcasts, whether it is any other kind of art or work, uh, whether it is multimedia creation of content, all this uh, will be possible in cars of the future. Plus the fact that uh, connected cars will allow um, the creators to distribute their content uh, to, to the world. I mean, uh, if you write a song while you sit in a car, you're driven around or you're standing in a traffic jam and you work on this piece of music, and then you can log in to a platform where you can can distribute it with your fans and um, yeah have have a direct connection there and and using the time and the space that you have inside a vehicle to be creative and um, there is a high level of focus that that we can reach um, due to the technical possibilities. Uh, thanks to all the interaction possibilities, the screens and the audio channels that we have there to, to create a creative space. And the third uh, core function of a car, a future car, uh, is entertainment. Um, interactive events, so you can watch a live concert of your favorite band 
and you can select songs, you can give feedback, you can get additional information about the artists and their work. And so um, the car will be a space for, for, for that one uh, as well. And um, if I say there is a car function, I mean, the car function besides driving or if driving uh, by the driver is not required anymore. Because uh, I think we all agree uh, on this one, um, there are the, the car function of a car still is, is, is driving. The complexity of vehicles, especially of software, will increase enormously. I mean, it has increased over the past years, and we are still in a, a hockey stick uh, kind of development. So um, we will have a potential uh, degrees, uh, de 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 um, uh, increase of, of uh, functionalities and complexity of, of software. For the user experience, it's absolutely critical how this complexity is handled. And this is the complexity of functions, the functional complexity, but also and first of all the complexity of the interaction so that uh, we can handle the entire complexity with easy easy to understand easy to use uh, uh, processes procedures interaction procedures and uh, we shall not overwhelm the user in this in this context Okay, um, third part of um, what I have learned from the various keynotes and uh, visits of digital booths at the CES 2021. Um, third part is human machine interfaces, HMIs. And um, one core tendency that I see is that uh, HMIs grow out of the vehicle. And what does it mean? This, the first one, there are two points, there are two, two um, ideas behind this. The first one is that we get more and more external HMIs. And one of the big three from, from Detroit had a uh, very nice presentation, very glossy, very impressive, um, of a show car where they applied um, external HMIs. Basically, two reasons. I mean, there was light uh, outside the car, light strips um, in various kinds of illumination, colors, and um, basically for two two reasons. One is a user experience. Um, so I can I approach my car. It's welcoming me with a um, brand-specific or personalized uh, welcome procedure with a um, little show that's playing for me. And so it's a user experience thing. But um, and even more important, uh, external HMIs uh, may be used for safety. So that the car communicates to its environment what it is doing next, what's coming up, what are the plans of the car. So, I mean, of course, we have indicators, we have brake lights and various things, but we can we can improve that so that the exterior of the car communicates with other traffic participants. 
maybe other cars, but uh, pedestrians, bicycle drivers. And um, so we have this communication and the external HMIs. And I see there an enormous potential uh, uh, in this area. We are just at the very beginning of a very exciting development to go for, for external um, HMI solutions. And um, the second growth of HMIs out of the vehicle is the increasing number of vehicle functions that I can control from external HMI instances. So, for example, smartphones or PCs. So I can shift. Uh, I mean, HMIs are leaking out of the car into other devices. And uh, I call this the liquid HMIs. Um, so that they become a little more liquid and, and so they, they, um, you can control certain car functionalities from non-car uh, HMIs. For the foreseeable future, HMIs will be multimodal, pure button interactions um, will fade out. They, they, um, we will have them in certain contexts, but Uh, we will get a high level of multimodality. Um, people will be able to select the, the, the mode of interaction upon their the use context, their personal preferences, whatever is, is, uh, is, is thinkable here. The personalization of the HMI will be central. At the moment, um, I see a certain amount of personalization, but very often this does not go beyond, well, you can select between the red screen design and the blue screen design and the green screen design. And yeah, you can decide whether you want to have this or that application on the main screen or, you know, from my point of view, comparably basic stuff um, that's happening there. And um since the complexity of the HMIs, the complexity of uh, in-vehicle technology is constant, constantly growing, we will need to personalize it um, to personal preferences, personal use cases, to, uh, to, to contexts, use, contexts of use, um, so that uh, people will find themselves in, in, in the vehicle interaction. Another very interesting aspect um, is that we have the options to update functions and HMIs after the purchase of the vehicle. So you buy a car and it has a certain amount of functions in it. And um, if you would have something like, like, an, like an app store where you can upgrade your car over the internet with the wireless and Uh, um, so that you just upload a new piece of software and you get a new functionality. This will open up um, enormous opportunities for new business models and uh, new businesses that we have. And um, this will also allow, I mean, if you, if you buy a used vehicle, um, you have to take it as it is today. But uh, if you get the chance to, to update the electronics, the functionality, maybe even the HMI, um, then um, this gets a new business model for, for used car dealers. And um, so used vehicles will um, get a higher value for, for the future owners if you can personalize it by this. 
To reach this um, today, some of these technical systems are over-specified um, to, to allow hardware and first of all software updates after the purchase. Basically meaning that um, the UX, the user experience uh, can be ensured for future use cases and uh, future users. All right, um, the fourth point, the fourth topic um, that I found interesting uh, in the CES keynotes uh, is um, all about artificial intelligence. And those of you following me uh, along the time um, on LinkedIn or reading my reports or listening to my podcasts, um, hearing some one of my keynotes, um, they know that I have a problem with the uh, term artificial intelligence. I believe intelligence is uh, always natural. So intelligence is tied to nature. And um, what we call artificial intelligence today is more like machine learning or self-learning software or deep learning. I mean, there are other expressions for that one. But since AI, artificial intelligence, is uh, such a buzzword and everyone is using it and there is, uh, let's say, a growing commonality in the understanding uh, on a global basis of the term artificial intelligence, well, I will bend down to the mainstream and use the term artificial intelligence. AI often still seems mystical to us and not really real, something far away, maybe far away in the future, far away in space. And to be honest, it's not true. Uh, artificial intelligence is reality. We have it uh, in, in the backbones of many applications already running. And uh, in different contexts, uh, we use um, artificial intelligence. So it is there. It is, it is, it's active and it's uh, reality. AI is intended to support people, to improve them, to improve their actions, to improve their decision-making. AI shall not replace humans, but improve them. Today, and um, this was an interesting learning for me, today artificial intelligence imitates humans. Uh, AI learns by analyzing and imitating human behavior. So that's how we teach it, and that's uh, why we, uh, yeah, how we, how, we, how we bring AI to the next level. In the future, AI will play against itself and with that, develop completely new strategies. So they get it, did it with various games like chess or with Go games. Um, when they trained a, an artificial intelligence with human behavior, it imitates human behavior and it takes over human strategies and improves them. But if AI plays against itself, it will develop absolutely new strategies, totally different strategies. 
and uh, they will probably be mid-long term much more successful. So it's a new kind of learning that we have for artificial intelligence. The biggest challenge, or as the presenter said, the frontier of HMI um, so far has been pattern recognition. So the biggest problem was how can I get uh, an artificial intelligence to recognize visual patterns or acoustic patterns, but first of all, it was about visual patterns. In the future, it will be the recognition, the reading and the understanding and the creation of texts. So the handling of texts, reading, understanding them and creating them, that is the new frontier of, or the future frontier of artificial intelligence. In two to five years, computers will read, understand and write texts. Other application areas uh, of artificial intelligence are production and automation, the process optimization, optimizing supply chains, um, but also entertainment and education and training of people. So depending on who I am, how I learn, um, what I want to do, what my targets are, entertainment and education uh, training procedures are presented by AI to me. Today, um, as far as HMI, uh, as, as, as artificial intelligence is concerned, we only see and experience the tip of the iceberg. Um, we do not see all the background today, um, what's underneath, and uh, we do not see what's uh, what will be there in the future. So um, all the applications and, and the use cases, uh, the contexts so where we can apply artificial intelligence, um, they're not visible today. And um, that will be one of the big um, yeah, improvements, focus points, surprises of technological future. The so-called um, old-school artificial intelligence is established. Um, it's used for optimization, for clarification. Um, there is still tons of opportunities for improvements, for future developments. But new artificial intelligence, that is deep learning, machine learning, um, and it is supported by new computing technologies For example, quantum computing, which will bring the artificial intelligence to totally new levels of, of uh, applications and, and success. One interesting, another interesting thought um, that I had not been aware of, but um, I, be, I believe that's uh, totally true. If we install artificial intelligence in all devices and all systems that we have, we get dual use in all these devices. So if my toaster talks to my car, um, then they both have the chance to spy on me. So if my toaster finds out, oops, Dr. Peter had five toasties this morning. Um, the car should not work. He should take uh, the bicycle uh, to, to the office um, to work off a couple of these of the calories. Um, I mean, 
that's a pretty frightening scenario, isn't it, right? But um, I mean, all these devices, they're connected and uh, they transfer and exchange data. And if they have a certain amount of so-called intelligence, then there's a good chance to, to that they can spy on me. So um, if artificial intelligence is that good, that prominent, that present, why do we still have so many problems? One is the application of artificial intelligence is not trivial. It's a pretty complex thing. It's a high tech. Uh, it requires a lot of brain power, knowledge and experience just to do it right. What kind of data? What kind of engine? What kind of algorithm? How do I need to feed it? How do I interpret the, the results I get out of this? So all these aspects are not trivial. So the application of AHI is complex and you can make quite some mistakes in it. Data must be collected in large quantities and it must be collected very carefully. At the moment, I am kicking off a project on artificial intelligence in cars and how that influences the car and driver interaction. The, um, uh, there are large work packages for, for the collection of data and it will be comparably easy to get uh, the main use cases, data on the main use cases collected. The problem I'm seeing is what is about the edge cases? What is about the very seldom cases that I have maybe once a year uh, in a car that must also be solved by uh, the artificial intelligence? So um, we must be, um, uh, yeah, there, there must be a, a very careful and, and large data collection. And it's not there for every kind of application that we have. Another problem on the data is distorted data. And um, so um, there was an algorithm uh, to, to find out that it's racist um, because it was yeah, fed with distorted data. And um, so we have this, this data distortion everywhere. And um, so if you feed this artificial intelligence with distorted data, you will get distorted results. And um, so that's also not a trivial fact and, and, and we have to take care about this. Then we need to have a limited confidence uh, in the models and uh, in the results. So we should be careful about what um, these artificial intelligence uh, is doing to us because we have this distorted data, we have incomplete data. And uh, we may have, have made uh, mistakes, uh, bugs, by, by, by setting up the artificial intelligence. So uh, we need to limit our confidence, uh, our trust into artificial intelligence. AI will only solve problems that we are aware of, that we know, and that we have uh, penetrated uh, to a certain amount, that we have understood to, 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 to a deeper level. So um, unknown problems are not solvable with artificial intelligence. And of course, there are ethical limits in the application of artificial intelligence. And this is uh, where I see the biggest work package that uh, we need to solve. Okay, so far, that's it. 
Um, the world sees itself exposed to three big megatrends, according to the CES keynotes, and I agree with them. One is high-tech on all levels, ubiquitous technology. So we have it everywhere, and uh, we will see it everywhere, and um, this is a megatrend that is totally obvious. The second one is climate change, and the third one is globalization. Those are the three megatrends um, that will influence our thinking and acting in the next years. The half-life of skills, of knowledge, is constantly falling. It's getting smaller almost on a daily basis. So training and lifelong learning are essential for our future. We need to establish just-in-time learning. Um, that is a trend that we need to have in focus. And also companies must become learning spaces. So people need to learn wherever they are and just-in-time learning needs. I need a skill, I need knowledge, I learn it, and then I apply it right after. Technology penetrates our lives more and more and more and more areas of our lives and it's penetrating us deeper and deeper, our businesses, our everyday lives. And uh, it is growing on our bodies and it will go into our bodies. So we have a growing penetration of technology. The technology we create should serve the world humanity and every single human and not be an end in itself not being totally free of value all right quick summary i talked about four aspects uh, of uh, the keynotes and the big booths of uh, the ces 2021 One was um, the aspects of mobility, where the focus on the case mantra, connected, autonomous, shared, and electric. The second is the future user experiences in cars. What uh, applications do we see in future cars? What experiences do we see there? With the term experiences per mile that I totally like. I talked about automotive HMIs, where they go to. And um, I had a couple of thoughts on artificial intelligence. A remark at the end. I hope for a real and analog CES in 2022. I want to travel to Las Vegas. I want to see and experience all the craziness. I want to be there. The digital meeting is okay-ish. But the real thing cannot be replaced. I want to meet people by chance, just walking down the hallway and seeing them. I want to meet people after an appointment, with an appointment. I want to absorb the atmosphere of madness. I want to go out for a good meal. I want to hang around with friends and business partners in bars. I want to visit concerts and one thing I'm always doing when I'm in Las Vegas, I want to go hiking 
in the desert. That's it for today. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope you were able to take something with you and do something for yourself that will be forever. For an ongoing exchange, you will find me on LinkedIn and on my websites peter-rusker.com and beyond-hmi.de Write me an email on the podcast at beyond-hmi.de Tune in next time. Take care and stay healthy.